everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dog Backwards, where we look at life, faith, and theology from a different angle. My name is Caleb Moore, and we are coming to you live from the basement of the Alamo. Today, my guest with me is Brett Anthony Baguette, and he is a pastor of a church in Muskogee. Brett, thanks for being here, bud. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So you've had a ministry. Uh, I don't mean to be offensive, but you look like you're in your 20s. How, how old are you? I'm 35. I'll be 36. 35. All right. Weeks. All right. Yeah. I uh, see. I get that a lot where people think I'm much younger than I am. I'm 43 now. Um, yeah. But for as long as I have known about you, being a pastor is kind of your primary responsibility. But a lot of what drives you is the conversation around abortion. That is a, a huge part of your ministry. You're always traveling. I always see you outside of some courthouse or some clinic. You're always offering some kind of hope or resources, um, even adoption abilities to those who are considering having an abortion. How did you get involved in this particular ministry? Well, that's a good question. I was I was raised uh, typical evangelical pro-life abortion is wrong. Abortion is murder and it should not happen. So I was raised like that. My dad was a pastor. My grandpa was a pastor. Uh, but I never really did anything other than know that those that it was wrong and that life begins at conception. And so I would just consider myself typically pro-life. And, you know, once I started voting, make sure I'm voting for people who say they're pro-life because I'm thinking they're surely doing everything legislatively they can to save babies. And then it wasn't really until... Around 2011, I started seeing people post stuff on Facebook. It was called Abolish Human Abortion. And was like, man, these guys are like legit. They're saying, hey, let's love our neighbors as ourselves. Like, what would we want done for us if we were being carried off to death in the womb? And so that just kind of blipped on my radar. I saw it, ordered the shirts, got drop cards to like give out to people. But it wasn't until years later that God really wake. He just rocked me and so I woke up and and that was the beginning of 2019 when I really started getting engaged and involved and it was through many different things with his providence but I realized that our pro-life legislators in Oklahoma weren't actually doing what God says their duty is to protect the weak and the innocent to rescue those being taken away to death I realized all they were doing was regulating abortion as if it were healthcare. So mm. then I started going to the abortion clinics and preaching the gospel and just realized that I've been apathetic towards loving my neighbor as myself. I have not obeyed Proverbs 24, 11. And I haven't even tried really other than just theoretically thinking, uh, rescue those who are being taken away to death, hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter what God says through the wise man in Proverbs 24. I just realized I'm not doing that. And then applying the golden rule to my neighbors who are still in the womb. I thought it necessary mm. to go to the abortion clinics to preach the gospel, to plead with parents not to kill their children and to offer help, any kind of help, anything that they need, adoption, bills, we'll walk with you, all that kind of stuff. And so started really getting engaged in 2019. And then in 2020 is when we founded Rescue Those, which is a nonprofit organization that just exists to equip, to educate and to mobilize Christians to go and rescue their neighbors who are being taken away to death. Do you find, and of course with the recent like Roe decision, this mm -hmm. has been on everybody's radar. And I'm kind of glad we're doing this now because all like all hell's fury rises up that week. And then right. now it's kind of died back down. Like it, it's almost disappeared off the radar. Like it's incredible how fast everyone is so angry and every post and every meme is around mm -hmm. this subject. And now everybody's back to, Hey, have you watched the newest thing on Netflix? Um, yeah. Have you found that even in the conservative States, that both Republicans and Democrats don't actually really do anything about abortion per se. 
because it's a great way to rally voters. Like if you vote for me, I'll do this. And then they never actually do it. Have you found that to be true? Well, that's certainly the case in Oklahoma and not as much with uh, Democrats or those on the left, because they're as far as legislation, they're kind of obsolete or they're they're neutered in Oklahoma. We have a super majority of Republican professors. Mm -hmm. Christian pro-life legislators. So Democrats don't really get a whole lot of say as far as the laws that pass in Oklahoma, just because of the majority we have at the state house. But it's certainly true for Republican pro-life professed Christian legislators. There are some of them who really do love preborn children and want to do everything they can to rescue them. But a majority of them it seems to me run on a platform of like pro-life and we'll defend the rights of, you know, babies in the womb and things like that. And then they get to the state house and do nothing. Even when we talk to them about voting for a, a bill that would just make it illegal to kill human beings and, or to murder them, they say, Oh yeah, I might. Yeah. I'll have to look at that. Oh, yeah. So most of them do nothing. Assistant, There's yeah, some we, that do yeah. really, they really do care, but very few who actually do what God says he's set up governing authorities to do, and which is protect, protect and punish evildoers. So you threaten evildoers with punishment, Romans 13, so that they wouldn't do more evil. That's the job of the civil government. And to protect those and approve of what is good. Most don't do that. They've been, sadly, regulating abortion like it's health care. And saying you can kill these babies in the name of saving these babies. So like a, you know, six week ban. You can't kill a baby yeah. after six weeks. But that law by implication says you can murder a baby before six weeks. And mm -hmm. so just kind of half measures. And in the name of saving babies, they're regulating which babies can be carried off to death. But like yeah, you they asked, just, they a, just majority, the age, a yeah. majority, majority don't really do much at all as far There's, as legislatively. Uh, there's not a very good view in my household of politicians in general. And it, yeah. I, I have unintentionally passed that on to my kids. Like they learn uh, by osmosis through conversations. And one day we're at the table and my middle child Cohen says, well, but dad, who goes to hell? And my mm -hmm. oldest son, who's eight, he said, politicians, they're all liars. <laughs> like, well, but son, you, you might be speaking more truth than you realize sometimes, yeah. but well, if A the, is true and they're all liars, then yeah. then B yeah. is true if they're yeah. not repentant and, and go to Jesus. It's do you ever find it just odd that we are constantly having to have this discussion about when it's okay and not okay to kill a human? That do you ever like does the absurdity of this conversation ever just kind of hit you like a ton of bricks? Yeah, at times it does. Um, I mean, when I hear those who say they're pro-choice, which in the end is just, I'm pro someone being able to murder their own baby. I mean, mm -hmm. they might not say it like that, but that's what they're saying. They're not, not everyone who says they're pro-choice is like, I want babies to be murdered, but they are pro someone else having the decision of whether or not to murder a baby. And when I hear their arguments, I'm sometimes taken aback, but I think a lot of times I just think, yeah, that's what the scripture says about fallen humans who are dead in their sins in Adam. I mean, you go to Romans 3 and you see that long list that the Apostle Paul gives right before he finally really gets to the gospel and in his letter to the Romans and you go, yeah, that's uh, that's what people that's what people are like. And just let me read that real quick and notice sure. the the parts in Romans three where he talks about things that you would say, well, you could apply that to abortion <laughs> to people arguing for it or people doing it. He says in Romans three ten, it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They've become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Now, their throat is an open grave. Mm. Their throat is an open grave. When you hear people arguing for a woman's right 
to abortion, meaning her right to murder her own child, that's they're opening their mouth and it's a grave inside. That's just death. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. So they act like it's not a human being. He or she is not a human being in the womb. It's a clump of cells. Some people still use that argument, which is really even outdated as far as secular people are concerned. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This Praise is the God word of for the his Lord. wisdom. Yeah. yeah, and you just look at that and you see arguments of people who are arguing for saying it should be legal to murder children. Go, yeah, and their feet are swift to shed blood. Their paths are ruin and misery. The way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. When they open their mouth, it's it's like you can look into their mouth and see an open grave. So sometimes I'm it shocked, but a lot seem, of times yeah. I'm just reminded of, man, this is this is who we are, and but for the grace of God, I would be the exact same because only because of his mercy do I want to do what is right and desire the truth and desire the good, you know? Well said. Now, I know you've spent a lot of time outside of these abortion clinics. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I have been there, it's, it's hard. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a very sympathetic person. I'm, I have my feelers out all the time. So if somebody's crying, I can cry with them very easily. Yeah. And it's, it's very difficult. I, in fact, I'm not even sure. There's people, I have a friend who's an FBI agent, and his job was primarily um, for many years in the child sex crime hmm. uh, cases. And I asked, how do you mentally handle that? Like, how do you do that? And he says, some people can disassociate and some people can't. Those who yeah. can't cannot do this job. I'm yeah. not very good at disassociating. I close my eyes and I see, I, you know, I replay the whole day. And, I, and so I have always struggled when I'm there because of some of the things I've heard and seen. I remember there were... Um, two women that came in a, a nice new Tesla, young, white, attractive. And we had pleaded with them as they were driving in. And of course the, the abortion workers, they come out with a loud radio and they're blaring it and they're standing there. So no one can see the signs. They're trying to protect them from visually seeing what they're about to do. And yeah, as they, they don't came want them out, to they know the truth down. and make a decision. No, no. On the way out, they rolled down their window and they laughed at us and said, we know we killed our kid and we'll do it again. Wow. And that's the way the world. Typical. Yeah. And it like is. That's and not that's, rare. Most people think that is rare. Yeah. But that's that's 99 out of 100. So when people have like this passion for this subject like you do, if people saw what you saw and realized just like the den of the devil that people are walking into there and the darkness that comes along with it, that they use the extreme cases. But what about this? But what about the lady who's just laughing, knowing full well, mm -hmm. this is what she is going to do. What, what is maybe some of like the, you say that's the norm. Mm -hmm. What is it on a typical day? What kind of person is going in to have an abortion? Well, most of the people that we see come to Tulsa Women's Clinic is the place that I've gone more than any other. And praise God, now they're having to shut down because after Roe and even before that, some of the restrictions that have happened in our state have made it to where they don't they can't make money doing it. And now you can't get an abortion in a clinic in Oklahoma. You can still buy pills and do it in your own home up to 13, 15 weeks. So abortion's not illegal in Oklahoma. It's not banned in Oklahoma, but the laws have been passed that make it impossible for an abortion clinic to perform because they're, they're worried about getting sued and things like that. But Tulsa Women's Clinic, it's shutting down now, but that's where we've gone more than anything. And most of the people are middle class at the very least or upper class. We see a lot of very expensive vehicles that come in. I'd say a majority of the vehicles that come in are nicer vehicles than I drive. Um, a lot of times it's guys driving $60,000 trucks, bringing a girl in. 
Sometimes it's the dad bringing a, mm. you know, 20 something year old daughter in. And some, a lot of times it's just friends that come with them. But most of the people that come in, not all, but most seem like they have plenty of money. They're just normal people. It's not like they're driving beater cars and they're really strapped for cash and they feel like they have no other choice but to kill their child or they won't be able to, you know, get by financially. And besides that, everybody that comes there, we offer them help. We say, if you need anything, please come and talk to us. We'll help you with X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. And we have with people. We've thrown baby showers for people who decided not to kill their children. We've filled registries. We get a registry on Amazon online and send it out to our fellow people who want to love their neighbors and say, hey, this, this mom chose life and she needs these things for her baby. And it's filled in 10 minutes. So we do that kind wow. of stuff a lot. But most of the people that come in um, are flipping you off or yelling at you, be, even just saying, ma'am, I have to warn you that they kill babies in this building. As if they don't know that, we give them the benefit of the doubt and say, this is not a healthcare facility. They don't do that. The only thing they do is kill babies. Please don't go in there. Please come and talk with us. Let us help you. Anything you need. And then it's, you know, expletives that I won't say out loud. But uh, one of the stories that I like to tell people is that one of my good friends now, who I met maybe a year and a half ago, he and his family have been as pro-life as you can be. I mean, they've children, they've adopted children, all that kind of stuff. Worked at pregnancy resource centers, all of that. Uh, but they didn't quite understand abolition and what it, what it means to seek the abolition of abortion versus just being like typically pro-life and, you know, like that. And they had never gone to an abortion clinic. And so this dad, the dad of this family comes with me and just, I told him, come with me and just stand and just watch, pray. You know, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to talk. Just come and bear witness. Because I know being there that it is life-changing if you will do it. And you'll never be the same. You'll realize the horror of what's actually going on. So he's there with me, standing next to me. This lady gets dropped off by a man. And she's walking inside. And a lot of times I start with, ma'am. Do you know what they do in this building? And, you know, most of the time they don't respond. And so I have to warn them. I said, I have to warn you. They murder babies in this building. Please don't go in there. Let us help you. Come talk to us. All that. But I say, ma'am, do you know what they do in this building? She turns right to me and my friend and said, they murder babies, mother beep. This is not right. my first time. And then proceeds to walk in. And so my friend is standing there like, that's not who gets abortions. That's not what I've been told by the pro-life movement. That's not what I've been told by the ERLC. That's not what I've you know, been told by my politicians. I've been told that most people who get abortions are poor or they're being coerced into it, things like that. And if you go to the abortion clinic and preach the gospel and plead and offer help, you'll find out very quickly that is a lie. It's a lie that the pro-life movement has swallowed because it's a lie that pro, the pro-choice movement has even said. It's like women need abortion because they don't have enough money or, you know, whatever. The pro-life movement has sadly swallowed that and then regurgitated it to the culture. And it's just not true. There are exceptions, but that's not the rule. Most of them go in there. They know exactly what they're doing. And they don't want help. They don't want to give their baby up for adoption. When we offer that, they say, no, I'm not going to do that. That would just be weird. So we say, so you're, you're going to kill your baby rather because it's too weird to give your baby up for adoption? Please think through that. Please don't do that. But they say stuff like that all the time. What is, what, what, what you just say reminds me of somebody who's like reporting a war. Like, you know, it, you can have the nightly news and they can talk about the war in Russia and the war in Ukraine. And they yeah. give you whatever little snippet that there is. But if you were to interview a soldier on the front lines, he'd be like, my friends over there is dead. And it's a completely yeah. different reality. Like it, it humanizes and connects. And this, right. this difficulty of trying to humanize the child seems to be where we face the biggest uphill battle. Uh, dehumanization has been a tactic mm -hmm. long used by secular society in order to be able to do whatever they want to do. 
That's right. Uh, black people are just property, right? When slavery, right. they're just property. They're just like animals. They're just a beast of burden. Um, the or Jews, they're, just they're, two-thirds they're rats. Human, something like yeah, that. they're not fully human. So if they're not right. fully human, if they don't bear the Imago Dei, you, the image of God, you can do whatever right. you want to them. And that seems to be where I see most of the argument around, well, it's not really human. How do you help somebody see that even when it's just newly conceived, though it might not look like a, a human baby mm-hmm. at that point, but very quickly along, um, I've got three kids and that first ultrasound that you see the baby, like that is, that is a human being. How do you yeah. begin to help people see that that is a human being? from the moment of conception, even before it looks like a baby. One of the great things is that the advances in modern science, uh, no, no one with any sense would argue that that is not a human being from the moment of fertilization. No one. Mm -hmm. If they argue against that, they're arguing against the plain teaching of science and the plain investigation, because from the moment of fertilization, that child has its sex assigned, so it's male or female, and there's only those two options, male or female from the moment of fertilization. Eye color is determined. Uh, Their DNA, they have their own DNA makeup right there. I mean, even Robert P. George, who served on President Obama's Council of Bioethics, even he said, from the moment of fertilization, that is a full member, he or she is a full member of the species Homo sapiens. It's not a clump of cells. No one actually believes that anymore. Even Hillary Clinton admitted that in 2016. And she admitted that it is a human being in the womb, but they don't have the same rights as human beings outside the womb. So pro-choicers with any integrity have had to concede the argument that that is a human being. He or she is a human being from the moment of fertilization. That's not even an argument anymore with any rational people. But now what the argument is, is, well, uh, it doesn't have the same rights as us until it goes through a, you know, magical birth canal, which is just ludicrous. And the scripture talks about it like that too. A child in the womb Uh, The word child is used in Luke 1 and in Luke 19. It's the same exact word. One time it's used for a child in the womb, John the Baptist. And another time it's used for children running around to go get in Jesus' lap. So God communicates in the scripture. There's no difference in the womb or outside of the womb. This is a child. This is a human being. David said, "I, I I was a sinner in my mother's womb from conception. In sin did my mother conceive me. Not meaning she sinned in conception, but he was a sinner at conception because he's a full member of Adam's race and he inherited a a sin nature from Adam. I mean, Psalm 139, God is knitting me together in my mother's womb, forming my inmost parts. The scriptures are clear. Science is clear. Rationality is clear. I mean, if you, in 25 states, if you murder a pregnant woman, you're going to go, you're going to be charged with double homicide. Even our laws, our state laws, know that's a human being. You don't charge someone for homicide unless they have killed a human being. And so that's, it that's seems just be, not even yeah. the argument anymore. People are still using that. That's like an argument from the 90s that even the, the people, the main people who are speaking against it, they don't even argue that. They say, yeah, it's a human, but it, I can still kill it because it's attached to my body. Uh, we are a meme culture and we'll get to some memes here in a little bit and allow you to kind of maybe help people work through how you would argue that. But I think that the meme culture, and I was watching a documentary about TikTok today and Mm. how TikTok has reduced the attention span to that of about of a goldfish. Right. Mm. Um, and it, it was fascinating because in China, TikTok promotes and encourages, uh, civil, um, responsibility, education, math, and all of that stuff. That's what their algorithm tries to encourage people. And also that uh, China's government is the most wonderful government ever. Uh, But they intentionally have the opposite here in the States where it rewards um, stupidity, um, twerking, just the dumbest uh, desires of the flesh. But you begin to see the dumbing down when it comes to discussions like this, the arguments are not thought through well. 
and the memes yep. manifest that. Because uh, I'm old enough to remember Hillary Clinton saying it should be safe, legal, and rare. Right. Why should it be? Why should it be rare? Why would it be rare? Oh, because it's a human being. So they would they would use those extreme instances. Well, mm-hmm. uh, incest or rape. And mm-hmm. I'll get your thoughts on those here in a second. And now it's gone to shout your abortion, where yeah. it's almost celebrate. Hey, don't let people shame you for killing your kids. Shout your abortion. Be proud. Just go have one right now for fun. Right. Just just go out there and do it to prove that. You have bodily autonomy and you can do whatever you want. And that that just sounds like madness. That just sounds like madness to me, that you would shout yeah. your abortion. Um, when I was a youth pastor, and I'll, I'll own up to my mistake, uh, I was uh, – so when I became a youth pastor, I still had two years of probation left. So I was a new Christian, right? Um, yeah. I, I had been wild and crazy, and the church took the chance on me. And I was – pro-life, but I was like, hey, it's all about just changing hearts, not really about changing laws. Because even if you change Mm. all the laws, it'll still happen in an alleyway with a coat hanger. So don't worry about the laws, just change hearts. And I've matured beyond that. I'm like, hey, let's let's make it just flat out illegal. Um, Just like it's illegal to kill, to murder you. Right. We would never make that argument with homicide laws for people outside the womb. It's like, you know what? Let's just make it legal to murder people because we need to change hearts. <laughs> it's like, and no, people no, no, say, well, if you make gover- it, if the government exists yeah. to protect the innocent and to punish the evildoer. That's the primary function of civil government. But anyway, it, sorry. The, the, the idea was, is that if you make it illegal, it'll just end up with a coat hanger in the alleyway. And like, well, we don't want that. That sounds awful. But that's where dark things happen. Right. That's like where mm-hmm. murder happens. It's behind the convenience store in some dark alleyway. So if it's mm-hmm. going to happen, let it happen where the rest of crime happens, where it yeah. is looked down upon, where it's shameful, where it's not full of wonderful things. Um, the most typical yeah, arguments that you safe. Right. Murdering yeah. Someone this should is, never be safe. If you're going to kill and your never spouse, legal. just make sure it's safe and legal, but just rarely try to do it. Right. Right. Um, some of the most typical arguments that I hear, rape and incest are the main ones, and I'll let you address that. But the other one is, um, if I say this correctly, because my PhD in medicine expired many years ago, um, mm-hmm. a topic pregnancy where right. it doesn't f- fully, f- uh, where, where it is, uh, maybe you can explain that a little bit better than sure. I could. Um, yeah. But kind of how would you respond to those kind of discussions? Sure. Well, take rape and incest, first of all. You you never murder someone else for someone else's sin. You would never murder a baby. It's never justifiable to murder a baby because of one of the parents' sin. So if, you know, if a guy rapes a girl, terrible. That is a terrible tragedy. That's a terrible sin. He should be punished. He should be dealt with by... The governing authorities, but you would you should never punish the child. The child is innocent that was even conceived in rape. And so it's never justifiable to murder a child because of the sin of the parent. And with incest, it's the same thing. It's never justifiable. And it's it's not gonna help the woman at all. If she's been assaulted sexually in some way. You think it's going to help her to then not only be an assault victim, but then to be a murderer? That's not that's not going to help her in any way. It's going to put another wrong on top of a wrong done to her. And so though it is a sad and a terrible thing, and that would be difficult to deal with, it never can be used as a justification to murder a human. But the life of the mother one is the one that's a little bit more complex and that many people just don't understand. So an ectopic pregnancy is basically when fertilization happens, the sperm and the egg, that is a human life. But instead of traveling down the fallopian tube and attaching to the wall of the uterus, the human attaches to the tube. That's called a tubal pregnancy. Or somehow it is in the abdomen or even something as far away from the ovary as that. And so... 
that human being cannot survive in that environment. And if he or she starts growing and growing and growing, it could put mom at great risk of extreme blood loss of ruptures that are happening. And so what, what people are saying is that we have to have abortions because what about ectopic pregnancies? The mom might die, but in truth, dealing with medical triage, a doctor dealing with a woman who has an ectopic pregnancy, actually an ectopic pregnancy, not just something he thinks might be, but he knows it really is him dealing with that situation. That's not an abortion. That's dealing with something that is a prolonged miscarriage. Now, that human being is not able to grow there and might end up hurting mom. And so what a doctor is charged to do is do everything he can for both patients. And right now, medical science has not advanced far enough to be able to transplant that human being who's attached to the tube or somewhere else and transplant that human to attach to the uterine wall. Now, I think we should be there already. We should already be there. They can take your heart out and put it in my body. I think we can figure out how to take a human being who's attached in the wrong place and attach that human being to the uterine wall of his or her mother. I think we can figure that out. I think we would have already figured it out by now if abortion wasn't so rampant and if medical professionals didn't just quickly jump to we think it might be an ectopic pregnancy, induce an abortion, you know, like give the woman a pill mm -hmm. to get rid of this baby. And so that's what they currently do now. Most medical professionals, if they think it's an ectopic pregnancy, they they do an abortion. Um, but that's different than actually watching and waiting and making sure that it is actually ectopic. And then as a physician treating both patients under the Hippocratic Oath. So long story is short. Is there any um, other? Yeah. Yeah, dealing dealing with that is is not committing murder. The baby in an ectopic pregnancy currently will most likely die because we don't have a way to we haven't figured out how to attach that baby to the uterine wall where he or she can grow. But we can figure that out. And once abortion is a legal period and doctors won't be able to just jump to that, we think it might be ectopic abortion. Once they can't do that, then they're going to have to figure out how do we treat both of these patients? And then we'll go back to where we were in 1930. In 1930, they were having success in transplanting a tubal pregnancy, an ectopic pregnancy to the uterine wall of the mother. It's almost 100 years ago they were having success doing that. But we stopped. And we know for the last 50 years, we've not advanced in that in any way because you just do an abortion. And then there's there's other things that people will say, like um, later on in their pregnancy, when they're 15 weeks or more, and, you know, you might have to get an abortion to save the life of the mother. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell. You never, it's never medically necessary to murder a baby to save the life of the mother. Never medically necessary to murder a baby to save the life of the mother. What you would do is try to deliver the baby early or try to do an emergency C-section to do everything that you can to save the baby. If mom's in distress, you need to save, try to save the baby's life and mom's life. And people have been just like brainwashed to think that sometimes unless we go inside and murder this human being inside the, their mother's womb, that the mom's going to die. It's like, no, no, no. You just deliver the baby early and do everything you can to protect and sustain the life of that child. For instance, we have the abilities to do that, not as early as 15 or 16 weeks yet, but we just keep pushing it back how, how early a baby can survive outside the womb. One of my friends who was in my youth group back in the day, she delivered at 22 weeks. Her baby was mm. born at 22 weeks gestation, and he is still alive. He's been in the mm. NICU, but we're able to care for children at a younger and younger and younger age. And so it's never medically necessary to murder a baby to save the life of the mother. If anything, you just go in and try to save the baby and get the baby out so mom's okay. And as far as you can do it, baby's okay, too. One of the things that I found in this whole discussion, especially considering like Roe versus Wade, 
is that people, A, I couldn't remember the last time I had read the 14th Amendment that Roe versus Wade was based upon. So I'm not going to sit here yeah. like, y'all didn't know the 14th Amendment really has nothing to say. But as I was like, you know, yeah. I, I need to look into this again. And you read the 14th Amendment and there's nothing in there that even remotely sounds like it would apply to abortion. And right. it's agreed upon by many, many scholars, conservative, liberal, whatever, that it was just a bad law. That it, it really, it never should have been law uh, in the first place, and that it should be left up to the states when it comes to these kind of moral issues. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I was quite worried for a while of how the culture would react. I was like, man, there's going to be riots in the streets for the next year because this is something that is so cherished and held on to and a fundamental yeah. right. But then it's just like, it seems like everything else. Oh, it just kind of disappeared. Now I'm sure, especially around election time, it'll come back up and it'll flame the fire in order to, to rally bases. Um, yeah. But were you shocked at all by how kind of quickly this died down or are you still seeing it just at a very elevated level? Well, first of all, I think something that's important to make a distinction between uh, laws and rulings or opinions by a court. So the Supreme Court and Roe, for instance, Roe was never law. It was simply an opinion, a decision of the Supreme Court where they said that the 14th Amendment allows, because of right to privacy, it allows a woman to murder her child. And so it was never law, and it shouldn't have been treated like law. Sadly, in people's minds, they thought, well, Rose, the law of the land. No, it's not. The Supreme Court doesn't even make laws. You need to go back to civics right. class. All they do is render judgments and opinions on the Constitution. But what if they say something that is clearly not in the Constitution? What they did in 73 with Roe v. Wade is nine, nine people on the highest court in our land said that every state in the United States of America must allow child sacrifice. So every state should have said, no, no, we're not going to do that. You don't have the right to tell us, and that is not what the Constitution says. So you can't just create that out of whole cloth like they did. So the state should have defied Roe just as six different states did when they defied the Dred Scott opinion in 1850 that said fugitive slaves must be returned to their original owners. And there were six northern states who said, no, we're not going to return freed slaves to their original owners because that is unconstitutional. That is wrong. We're not going to do that. That's what all 50 states should have done in 1973. Sadly, the pro-life movement has bent the need to the Supreme Court like the Supreme Court is God and worshipped them essentially by saying, whatever you say, we must do when we should have stood up and said, no, at our state level, we're going to defy that unjust, unconstitutional ruling. Uh, for instance, we've done that with mar marijuana. It's illegal federally, but in the state of Oklahoma, Pretty much anyone can walk into a quote-unquote medical facility and get a license to smoke weed, even though it's illegal federally. Why? Because we've nullified what the federal government says in our state. We should have done that with Roe. But anyways, moving beyond that. Yeah. Or, yeah, go ahead. Do you see any kind of correlation between the uh, fight for civil rights um, and the fight to, to ban abortion, do, do you see like a correlation there where hopefully a hundred years from now, people will look back on the pro-choice and be like, Grandma, how could you have been so uh, dehumanizing? How could you have been a part of that and look mm -hmm. at the pro-life as kind of the victors of this whole discussion? Do you have hope for that? Do you see a correlation there? Yeah, absolutely. I think if we learn from history, we look at the civil rights movement, then you look at the Holocaust and the Allied advance who went in and threw the Germans down. Then you go all the way back to the abolition of slavery. And now everyone goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe people stole men and women mm -hmm. and then sold them. I can't believe anyone ever did that. And then you say, I cannot believe a whole society dehumanized people, namely the Nazis with the Jews and minorities 
I can't believe they dehumanized a whole group of people so that they could murder them. Or I can't believe, you know, you fast forward to the civil rights movement. I can't believe we wouldn't have, you know, the same drinking fountains or restaurants or schools or all of that. I can't believe people ever did that. I think people, I don't know how long it's going to take, but eventually people are going to look back and say, I cannot believe they thought it was okay mm -hmm. to murder human beings in their mother's womb. And they, they legislated according to that. They regulated it like you would do anything else. They didn't just make it illegal to kill babies. I think they're absolutely yeah. going to look back at that. But they're not going to look back at the pro-life movement as if the pro-life movement were the victors. I don't think they will. Because the pro-life movement has, for 50 years, been bending their knee to row and saying, whatever the Supreme Court says, we got to do. They've been regulating abortion like it's health care. And since 2016, it's professed Christian pro-life Republican legislators that have kept abortion legal in Oklahoma. Abortion's not mm -hmm. legal because of Democrats or because of pro-choicers. Abortion is legal in Oklahoma because of professed Christian pro-life Republican legislators who don't just want to apply the homicide code equally to everyone, but they've been submitting to Roe. They've been including exceptions such as rape, incest, and the bogus life of the mother. And that's why abortion is still legal. They're going to look back at the pro-life movement like we look back at the gradual abolitionists of slavery who were the biggest opposition to guys like William Wilberforce. It was people who said, we agree that we need to ab abolish slavery. We just need to take steps to get there. We need to do it gradually. Just like the pro-life movement's been doing for 50 years, saying we agree, we need to save babies, we just have to take one step at a time to do it. That's what the pro-life movement's been doing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called incrementalism. It's the same basic principles as the gradual abolitionists of slavery back in the 1800s. And I think they're going to look back and say it's the abolitionists who are actually saying, you know what? This is what God says. We're not going to regulate abortion like it's health care. We're going to seek to abolish it like it's murder because it is. So I think people will look back at it, but they're going to look back at many of the pro-lifers and say, how did you bow down to the Supreme Court for 50 years? Mm. And when they told you to allow mass murder in your state, you didn't just say, no, we're not going to do that in our state. The abolitionists have been calling for 12 years, like defy Roe, yeah. say in our state, we we're not going to submit to an unconstitutional opinion by nine people on a court who just made it up. And they've admitted that they've yeah. made it up now because they, they sent it back to the States. So they've already admitted that for the last 50 years, the pro-life movement, should have been advocating for defying Roe v. Wade because it's unconstitutional. I mean, that's evident by the fact that now the Supreme Court says, hey, that was wrong. And that's actually not what the Constitution says. Uh, and it's incredible, the outrage. About. Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of want to say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, yeah. the, the incrementalism and the comparison to slavery is pretty powerful. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's calls on because they made a conservative choice that matches with the Constitution that we're all supposed to kind of uh, agree on. All of a sudden, they're they're evil now for doing what they were actually supposed to do in the first place. I want to bring yeah. up. Uh, let me share my screen here real quick. OK, see if I can bring these up. So I literally just found a couple of memes. Uh, I, I didn't dig too far. It was pretty easy to do. But this is kind of uh, this is brought to us by Americans against the Republican Party. Of course, of course mm. they are. Um, <laughs> but this meme, for those of you who are listening online and not on the YouTube channel, it's a bunch of babies sitting around. It says how to tell if a Republican is pro-life or just anti-women. Ask them to raise taxes to feed hungry babies. So for mm. them, the solution is if you really care about babies and raise taxes and allow the government to subsidize and feed children. How would mm -hmm. you respond to a meme like this? Where do you see the, the flaw in its logic? Well, yeah, the reverse of what they're saying is they would rather, they're saying hypothetically babies are going to be starving or babies are starving to death, which is absurd in the United States of America. 
with the welfare system that we have in place. That's absurd. But they're arguing for, because babies might starve, murder them. But really, so they're find saying... any hungry baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But... Uh, raising taxes is not how you feed the hungry. It is not the job of the civil government to feed the poor. It's the job of the church. It's the job of neighbors. It's the job of the civil government to protect the innocent mm -hmm. and to be a terror to evildoers, to keep evildoers from doing evil things and to punish them if necessary. Um, but so the flip side of that argument, know, like yeah. if, you, if you want to see if they're really pro-life, and I would just add to that, like, do you know why hospitals exist? Christians. Do you know why we have hospitals like we have? It's because Christians invented them and said, we need to have these places big, huge, ready to care for people, ready to take care of people. Do you know who does the most feeding of the hungry in the entire world? Christians, the church of Jesus Christ, you know, helps homeless people more than anyone else. Christians, you know, who revolutionized adoption in the first and second century. And the reason that people think adoption is a good and virtuous thing to do today, Christians, people did not adopt like we now adopt back in the first and second century in the time of Christ. And in the time of the apostles, adoption was basically someone could not have a child biologically, and so they would need to adopt someone to be their heir and carry on their legacy. And so they would adopt people for purely selfish reasons for their own legacy, or they would adopt people and then send them into war on their behalf. But when Christ came and mm. said, what it means to be a Christian is that God, because of me, Christ is saying, takes away your sin, clothes you with my righteousness, and then adopts you into his family. God adopts you so that you are a son of God. Then Christians started saying, so it's a good thing to adopt for someone else's benefit, not just for the benefit of the one adopting, but to adopt a child. And so Christians started adopting children that were thrown out. And revolutionize the whole and way powerful. we even think about adoption. The reason we have hospitals, the reason we have mercy ministries all across the world, feeding people, giving people clean water, it's because of Christians. It's yeah, and that's just a the idea that it's just anti-women. They're really so. This yeah, is, yeah, Meme, memes uh, are not usually the most well thought out. This one I thought was pretty funny. I'm sorry it's so small. I, I didn't look very long for a bigger per, uh, picture. But it has three fists up in the air, and it's kind of, I guess, the pride flag. I, I don't know what flag that is. There's too many flags anymore. But it says abortion for all genders. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I was like, I got to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. men, men, if uh, you're worried about passing a baby through your uh, penis canal, uh, don't mm -hmm. worry. You can get an abortion, too. I don't even know if we need oh, to respond to that one, but I'll give you a few saying. seconds. You know, that's not what they're yes. saying. They're yes. saying uh, <laughs> a man can get pregnant because they believe a woman yeah. can then transition to be a man. And I, I, all I would say to that is someone who can't even tell you what a woman is or what a man is should not be trusted to make any decisions for you. They don't even know the simplest yeah, They shouldn't be able to tell you what a baby is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they can't tell you yep. what a baby is. They can't tell you what a man is, what a woman is. They can't tell you anything. Uh, I wouldn't trust them to make any decisions of what is just and unjust if they're saying things like men can get pregnant. What they're a weird world we live in nowadays. Yeah. yeah, they've been handed. I, I mean, uh, Romans 1, they've been handed over yeah. to their sin. By their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. Although they know God because he's plainly revealed himself to them in creation and in their conscience, they refused to honor him and refused to give him thanks. And so they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And God handed them over to do what ought not be done. He handed them over to the futility of their thinking. I mean, that's Romans 1. That's what God says he does when people reject him. He hands them over and they start saying foolish things like men can be women. Or men can get pregnant. Men can have abortions. Like, don't can trust somebody going to talk back like that even, making 
solid argument. Yeah. Can you imagine going back even 20 years ago and trying to tell people that women can be men and men can be women? Yeah. People would be shocked. It, like, I don't think this generation understands how fast we're sliding down into just yeah. absurdity. Okay, here's, here's uh, the last one. Uh, it says, reminder that rich white people of all parties will continue to get abortion access regardless of legality. Overturning Roe versus Wade is a classicist and racist assault on our communities. Is overturning Roe versus Wade racist and classicist? That's funny because it, the, the exact opposite is true because minorities are the ones who are primarily targeted even with where they build abortion clinics. They build them in minority neighborhoods because places like Planned Parenthood were started by Margaret Sanger, who, if you don't know who she is, you need to look up Margaret Sanger and just watch some YouTube videos and see who she is and what she said. She wanted to exterminate minorities. She's a white lady who wanted to exterminate minorities. She's actually a racist. Not just in the way mm -hmm. people throw around the term racist these days. She actually was. And minorities are targeted for abortion. Why? Because even the pioneers of this whole movement wanted to exterminate minorities. Um, more black babies are killed in New York State than are born. More black babies are killed than are born. Murdered by abortion. Through abortion. And so making it illegal to kill a baby is actually the least racist thing. It's, it's equal. It's protecting those who are being carried off to death. And in no way is it legal. And Black no way lives is it matter. Racist. Yeah. Black lives yeah, matter in the is, womb. Too. Right, in the womb. In the womb. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I used to talk about Margaret Sanger and she was being racist. And there was often a rebuttal. Well, that wasn't a racist statement that she made. She was actually... You know, um, it was misunderstood, but it wasn't very long ago that Planned Parenthood had to come out and apologize and admitted yep. that their founder was a racist. And not like, just, yep. like you said, not like today's racist, but like, like hung out with the Klan, <laughs> all about eugenics. Yep. Like, I want to kill all the black people. And that's yep. why she would yep. set these up intentionally in black neighborhoods. Be like, hey, come here. We'll give you health care. Oh, we killed your kid. Sorry. Um, right. I guess there's less of you and more of me now. Yeah. Atrocious. Yeah. The, the last one, I don't have a meme, but everybody knows that my body, my choice, my body, yeah. my choice. Every Christian knows how to respond to this, but um, just give us your two cents on this one as well. Well, I mean, there's a great response to that, that abolish human abortion has been using for 12 years. And it's the body inside your body is not your body. Just because the human being is in your body doesn't mean you have the right to kill him or her. You, you don't have the right to do with your body whatever you want. Use that argument with rape. Say, well, yeah. I can do with my body what I want. And the answer is no, not if it violates someone else's body. You can't do whatever you want with your body. And just because that baby is inside your body, that doesn't give you a justifiable reason to murder him or her. I mean, it's just ludicrous. We yeah. know that we can't do whatever we want with our body. And so then it's, they try to seems humanize like, him or her in the womb by saying uh, abortion is getting rid of a paras parasite. It's like, well, scientifically, yeah. that's not true. Um, we know biblically and reasonably that's not true. No one believes that he or she is a parasite in the womb. But what do you do when when science is clear, when the Bible's clear, when reason and our laws, other laws, are clear? You have to dehumanize. What do you do when the Jews are clearly humans? You dehumanize them so that you can justify murdering them and that you can try to sleep at night. And so that's what they do to babies in the womb is saying it's a clump of cells, a parasite, you know, things like that. My body, my choice. It's like, well, clearly people don't believe that. You can just see how much vaccines were being forced on people with the COVID vaccine in the last couple of years where you see a lot of memes like, wait, 
I thought you guys believed my body, my choice. Why are you telling me I have to put something into my body? So they don't even believe that. It's just a way to try to shut people up. Oh, it's the, the fear mongering is strong too. We're going back to the handmaid's tale. We're going backwards a yeah. hundred years. I'm like, there's some things I would kind of like to go backwards on. Uh, I, I would maybe like to get off the roller coaster. Uh, if you yeah. don't know, the track runs out really soon and they haven't finished building it yet. So maybe going yeah. back to some things isn't all that bad. Uh, yeah. the, the handmaid's tale, uh, it, it's like that's the only TV show they've ever watched, and so they're instantly dressed like, "Oh, we're we're always like, it's it's awfully dramatic. It's awfully dramatic." Um, yeah. Let me wrap that's up right. with this and just ask: How can Christians be more involved? What is the next step that we need to take? And if they want to know more about what you do, how can they get a hold of you? Well, what are the next steps? It it varies state to state. But for, for Oklahoma, the next steps are passing a bill through the House, then through the Senate, onto the governor's desk. He signs it, then onto the attorney general that simply applies the homicide code to everyone from the moment of fertilization. So that's what's next, because it's not illegal to kill babies in Oklahoma. They have made it scary for abortionists to kill babies in an abortion clinic. So the clinics are shutting down, but you can buy an abortion pills at Walmart, CVS, Walgreens. You can get them shipped to you in the mail. And so right now, self-managed abortions are on the rise, especially in Oklahoma, because it's not illegal to kill a baby. And so a woman can order RU486, which is a pill that you can kill your baby up to 13 weeks and you can do it in the privacy of your own home. And so what needs to happen is legislatively, your House representative, your state senator who represent you, if you're an Oklahoman, they need to author or co-author a bill that would apply the same homicide code that protects you to everyone, every human. So make it apply to everyone from the moment of fertilization so that it's just simply illegal to murder a child. No women will be harmed in that process. No one will die from ectopic pregnancies or anything like that. Doctors will still be able to deal with medical triage issues, which are not elective abortions. But people will not be able to murder children if we apply the homicide code equally. That's legislatively what we can do. But beyond that, I'm talking to people one-on-one, -on -one, whatever sphere of influence you've got. I'm going out into the public square and giving people tracks and handouts and talking to people about this issue. Talk to your family, talk to your coworkers. But really what you need to make sure that you do is get educated before you do that. And that's why the organization that I'm the president of, that's why we exist. Rescue Those exists not to do your job, but to educate, equip, and mobilize you to rescue your neighbors who are being carried off to death. So we're called Rescue Those, rescuethose.com. But the best thing that you can do is just go to whatever app store of whatever phone or tablet that you use and just search Rescue Those. And we have a free app that has tons of content, videos, articles, documentaries, all of it free in order to educate and equip and mobilize you to say like, what can I possibly do to rescue those who are being taken away to death? That's why we exist to help you think through it and equip you to get out there and get involved. Basically do for your neighbor in the womb, what you would want done for you. If you were in the womb, just obey the golden rule. That's what we exist to do. Yeah. So get the rescue those app and go just, drink from a fire hose for a while and get educated and equipped. And then you'll be, I think, competent to go out there and get to work. That's great, Brett, man. I appreciate the work that you do. Uh, let me pray with you real quick, if I can do that and Thank uh, you. ask God to bless your ministry and uh, continue to do the, the hard work and to fight the good fight. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for my brother in Christ. God, I'm encouraged to know that there are people who are, lovingly and compassionately um, putting their money where their mouth is saying, you don't have to do this and we will help. And it's not just standing on the sidelines shouting that our side is better. 
It's understanding that fallen humans make stupid choices and the church is there to try to save them from themselves. So God, I pray that you would continue to bless him and his ministry and his family. We ask the saying your holy name. Amen. Hey man, thanks for Amen. coming on. I, I appreciate uh, your time and your energy and all the resources that you provide. And uh, hopefully we can have you on in the not too distant future to celebrate uh, Oklahoma continuing to move in the right direction. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you for right, appreciate it, man. having me on. Of course, absolutely. We'll talk to you later. Okay. All right, see ya. See ya.